Alright, this is Podflix, episode 186. I'm Nish. You know, I watched, <laughs> I, I listened to one of our episodes from four months ago just now, and you guys did the exact same fucking thing on that episode. I think so. a lot of, I think a lot of podcast players have like a strip silence feature. It's probably ruined the joke. I mean, fair enough, I guess. So you say. Well, I'm Willie. Oh, yeah, I'm Paul. All right. There we go. All right, gentlemen. Here we are. Another episode. How are you guys doing? In the can? Are we done? Yeah. Good episode, yeah, guys. We're done. So you guys can email us at talktopodflix <laughs> at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at, at podflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. All right. We're out. <laughs> Good episode, guys. Good episode. No, let's actually talk about something. Um, because we watched a movie for this episode, it seems a shame not to discuss that movie. It does. And that movie is uh, 2021's The Power of the Dog. Um, it's about a very powerful dog. Um, I may have watched a different movie than the rest of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, it, and it was, was yours an animated movie about a super dog? Yeah. I wish. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool, I right? Wish. No, this was uh this is a movie uh starring Benedict Cumberbatch, uh directed by Jane Campion. It's uh as we as we record this, the uh Academy Awards have not happened yet and it is uh nominated for 12 Academy Awards including best picture, best director, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress, so on and so forth. So by the time this comes out, you'll probably have we'll probably all know how it did, but uh it has been nominated for a slew of awards. So, um, let's talk about this bitch, huh? Yes, let's. Okay, great. So, um, I'll, I'll quickly set it up. So, uh, the movie is a Western, so to speak. It takes place in the 1920s in Montana and concerns, uh, two brothers, Phil and George Burbank, who are wealthy ranchers in Montana, uh, basically. And they, they live alone, so to speak. Um, but with, uh, basically, um, you know, cow hands and housekeepers and so on and so forth. And, um, one, uh, day, I guess when they're doing like a cattle drive, right. Basically to it, to a town, um, they stop in the town and they meet a, uh, woman who runs an inn Rose, uh, and her, um, somewhat, I guess, kind of effeminate or not, not really effeminate, but you know, kind of very slight and quiet son, Peter. Um, and, uh, George and Rose basically fall in love and this, uh, and end up getting married. And this angers Phil, the other brother who is kind of a domineering and not kind of, but very much an asshole. Um, and he kind of gets to work sort of intimidating, um, Rose and her son Peter, and then the movie kind of goes from there. It's it's kind of about the kind of uh, not really relationship exactly, but kind of you know how how things progress between those characters, uh, so to speak. So, um, 
there are a bunch of places I think to go from here, but um, let's let's start by talking a little bit about the plot of the movie before we get into like acting and all that sort of thing. So, um, <laughs> um, which plots? Yeah, sure. So, um, no, let's 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 talk about I guess the the main plot of the movie, which which kind of is. Um, Phil interrogating, interrogating, intimidating, uh, and and kind of sort of waging psychological warfare in a way um, against Rose and mainly Rose, but in some ways against Peter, and then kind of the unlikely bond that Peter and Phil form, and then kind of how that all resolves itself at the end of uh, the movie. So I guess one thing I want to ask right off the bat and, and I'll, I'll, you know, we always do this with our reviews, but if this is, you know, this isn't a movie with a twist, so to speak, but it's also a movie that if you wanted to see that you should probably not, you know, be spoiled for, um, because it, it does kind of go different places by the end of the movie. So with that said, let's talk about kind of what happens at the end of the movie. Um, so Willie, you're a person who kind of, you know, uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't really call this a twist, but like, did you see where the movie was going? No, not in the very least. Yeah, I was, I was going to say you're someone who kind of sniffs out twists a lot and things like that. I don't think so. I think Paul is more of a twist sniffer than me. I, I was Good old like twist are. sniffer tower. I don't. I don't try to sniff twists. Sometimes it just happens. Fair um, enough. So I, I have a I have a big confession to make. Um, <laughs> you didn't watch it? No, no, I watched it. Um, okay. <laughs> I didn't understand what happened in the end of the movie until I read something about it later, um, and. The reason there's two reasons I didn't understand what happened. Um, the first reason is I didn't didn't know what rawhide was. <laughs> so when he said I brought you some rawhide, I didn't know what that was. Um, and two, I thought that he had contracted the anthrax or whatever. Like when he was, they made a big deal about him castrating all those bulls without gloves on, and then he cuts himself very badly. Um, on the last one. And I assume that's where he got it from. Um, and I, so it wasn't until I read about it later and I was like, Oh, now I understand now it, now it makes a lot more sense, but I didn't, I didn't get it at the time. I will admit that. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, knowing, knowing what did happen. Did you like, I, I guess that that's interesting. So like, how did you take the end of the film without knowing that? And then versus once you knew it, so I took the I took the original ending of the film. I just took it as straight up kind of sad um, that 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 um, he um, made this connection with him and then and then, and then dies and then dies. Um, and then once I re- once I understood what actually happened, it actually made it more even tragic that he basically like he felt like he had to do this thing, which which once I realized, oh yes, it harkens back to the voiceover at the beginning and all that stuff too. Right. Uh, um, that he felt like he had to do this no matter how much it was, you know, good for him personally. Um, he, you know, he felt like he owed it to his mother to do this. Um, and that, you know, that also kind of makes it tragic in a way too. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I was unsure how much, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I was unsure like how much, guilt or or kind of uh uncertainty he felt about peter felt about kind of doing what he does at the end of the film giving giving him the the 
poisoned, so to speak, rawhide. Um, I guess there is definitely some because of like the expression kind of on his face and kind of how he does it very slowly. And like, it feels like he's like thinking it through outside the barn uh, before yeah. he goes in and gives it to him. I think so too. I think it's, I think it's a thing where it's like, he's, he's always going to do it, but it doesn't make it easy for him to do it ultimately in the end. That's fair. That's fair. Cause yeah, I mean, it definitely ends obviously with him, you know, he skips the funeral, which I guess could be read either way that he like was happy. He was gone for his mom's sake or that it hurt him to do what he had to do. Um, but then he's definitely obviously happy at the very end when he like kind of sees them like the last, the last frame when he sees basically. his mom happy yeah, when, yeah when he sees them hug out you know outside and he turns back and he's got a little smile yeah and, and yeah so i think that makes sense what, what about you willie i'm unclear i knew that he poisoned him but i was i'm unclear how the rawhide all ties in so, uh, so when he went out to the desert by himself <sighs> when peter went out to the desert by himself and he found the dead um cow and he cut pieces off of it uh... he found a diseased animal on purpose and gave him and, and gave him the diseased rawhide so that when he would Got like, mix knowing, it in the water. Knowing that he never uses gloves and that he had the big cut on his hand, like knowing that basically the anthrax would get into his right. bloodstream and he would die mm. very quickly. And he had all those surgical books and stuff like that to like kind of know that as well. So it was I, it was anticlimactic for me. I think I was kind of out. By the time it, hit, like, I know it was supposed, to, I was supposed to be pretty pot committed to the plot by this point, but I was just I really struggled to get into this movie. It felt to me the entire film like really good acting without a good script, or I don't know, I couldn't put my finger on it. It had a feel of there will be blood, but just not a plot almost. So it's like we're going to show off how good of actors these people are. Without going anywhere. It's interesting you mentioned there will be blood. This is something I was going to bring up much later. But um, when when the movie was going on, and it, the movie has a very striking score. And um, as I was going through, I was like, this is either Johnny Greenwood or it's someone trying to be Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> and I looked and it's like, nah, it's Johnny Greenwood's score. And and he's nominated for best score uh, for it. Go. And yeah, I, I, and that's part of He did the score for There Will Be Blood. And I feel like that and the fact that it's in approximately the same time frame like there will be blood takes place earlier but it's still this like turn of like 1900s like not not in the 1800s really it's like this early 1900s like in the west kind of thing and it's like semi-civilized but not quite like that like it has that feel to it as well um so i i I definitely know what you mean i just felt more tension at the beginning of the film versus the end it didn't build Interesting. I don't know if you guys, I'm curious how you guys felt, but I didn't feel like it built for me as the movie went on. It was just, it petered off for me, truth be told. To me, I felt like the tension shifted. Like, like I will agree that maybe my favorite scenes were in the first third or so of the movie. Like my, my favorite scene, hands down, I think, is the scene where she's practicing, that where Kristen Dunst is practicing the piano and he goes past her and goes upstairs and is playing the banjo along with her. Right. And then and then like that whole scene all the way through when they're actually at the party and she can't play. And then he comes in and kind of like belittles her like that whole like 10 minute sequence or whatever I thought was really good. And like just was was kind of like chilling a little bit. And then and then I really like how they use how he uses that whistle later in the movie, like whistling that same theme, like to just kind of like freak her out basically as, as it goes through. But um, 
I thought like as it went further into the movie, like it shifts away from Rose. Like Rose is still someone who is kind of an object of pity, especially when you think about like kind of what he's kind of made her become, how she's like basically totally turns into an alcoholic. Um, but it really shifts much more to like this. It shifts in a bunch of ways. Like it shifts to much more of a Peter versus Phil thing. And then it also kind of provides some ambiguity regarding Phil because like up until like about halfway through the movie, he's like very much just like, well, this guy's just a pure asshole. And he never stops being an asshole. But you find out more about kind of what's, you know, that that he's really this very sad, lonely person who you know the sense i got it's like one he's trying to recapture this feeling that he had once you know with bronco henry um but in a way that he doesn't even quite know like like he like yeah yeah that that he can't fully admit to himself what that is like i agree with you willie that there was a lot of tension there in the beginning but then after the shift happened the movie became more interesting to me not less because even though there was tension in the beginning like it was like okay we're just kind of waiting for failed to do something terrible. All right, fine. Um, and then like that didn't happen. And then it turned out that like Phil's character actually is more, has more facets to it than was kind of let on in the first, I don't know. I don't, I keep saying the first half of the movie. I don't know where exactly where the changeover happens. Um, right. You know, it's odd. Sorry to interrupt Paul here, but what's odd to me is I didn't notice the chapters one, two, three until we hit chapter three. Did you guys catch one and two? They yeah. were fast. They were they weren't very they, they, long. Yeah. They were pretty fast, but I did catch them. I didn't even notice we were doing this like three. I was like, the fuck is that three for? And I was like, huh. And then four and five, I'm like, oh, I wonder how far into this thing I am. Like, I didn't even catch it. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Yeah, so I think I think it the the movie became more interesting and less conventional. And in that aspect, it sucked me in more, I think, because I felt like I the felt like the first bit of the movie, I understood what I was watching. And then the, for the rest of it, it, it turned out I was watching something uh, that was deeper than that and more complicated than that, I guess, and wasn't as straightforward as that. And that made it, for me, that made the movie really interesting. And I think you're right, Nish. I mean, this is largely a movie about somebody who, in a lot of ways, like, doesn't understand himself and also... And also doesn't probably like himself very much, and doesn't know how to deal with that and how to, and how to behave. Right, and and like pushes that out at everyone else. You yeah, know, it's, very it's a much reason so. why he's such a ornery cuss for you know, like basically, like he's he's just like mean for the sake of being mean to pretty much everybody, even the people he's like not actually trying to be mean to, like his the cowhands who like work for him. He's still right. like kind of an asshole to them too, like just in the way he normally talks. Yeah. Yeah. And it so makes a lot of sense. Like he, you mentioned, he does bring up Bronco Henry like a lot. And you're like, Jesus ask Christ. You what, I was going to ask you what you thought of, thought of this Bronco Henry worship thing he had going on. Well, I mean, once they explained it enough, I right. get like, once, 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 once you I, figure out what's going on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get it before he actually lays it all out. But like, once you figure it out, it's like, oh, I get it. Like, it's, he has this, he has very complicated feelings about Bronco Henry that he's never really processed. And it's just, like everything else, his feelings just come out in weird ways. Like they just kind of, he kind of can't help himself. Right. Yeah. So um, let's talk a little bit about the people, uh, the the actors in the movie. Because because all, all four main actors in this movie have been nominated for Academy Awards, which is kind of interesting. Doesn't, doesn't happen very often. Um, so we'll start, obviously, with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, <clears throat> so... 
it took me about 10 minutes or so to like get used to the fact that he was basically his Dr. Strange voice with like a tiny bit of Western twang in it. But I like, and, and it was hard in the beginning. It was a little bit like, <clears throat> uh, like, I don't know if I like this, like, like, like him talking, but then I got used to it like pretty quickly through and, and it didn't bother me the rest of the way through. And once I got past that, um, you know, I, I thought he did a really, really good job, especially like you were saying, Paul, as his character deepens. Um, there's a lot in this movie that they do, um, you know, through um, through expressions like that. There, there's a lot of this movie where they linger on all of the characters faces and, you know, and do a lot of the storytelling in terms of kind of what they're feeling through just kind of their expressions. Um, and I thought he did a really good job of showing kind of kind of what we were saying someone who's kind of like trapped within himself a little bit and like you know I, I don't know like like i almost thought of him at times like a wounded animal kind of thing or like a caged animal where it's like he just like doesn't know what to do and kind of like has these outbursts sort of like every once in a while um but like i felt like i could see that in his expression sometimes like when when like almost this fearful look every once in a while like like angry but like fearful at the same time so what about you guys i i really liked his performance i mean i liked all the performances across the board but um i agree with you that that his performance it had a, a quality where it can be read as unsubtle but there's but like if but there's there's actually a lot going on there um and i and i, I agree with you that he, he plays it like, I I, I kind of actually I want to watch the movie again because I think the first part of the movie would read a lot differently if you know what happens in the back half of the movie, um, and, and I and I suspect uh, maybe this is me putting faith. I suspect that it's there. I just didn't pick up on it in the first bit of the movie when he's kind of like in pure asshole mode. I suspect there's more even nuance there that I that I probably missed out on. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a really great performance. Concur. I thought he was, I thought he was good, but, um, same thing. Maybe the, maybe this is where the, the, the spoiler hunter thing kind of ruined me a little bit as I'm looking first. I'm, I'm waiting for the big scene, the real big scene where his acting chops are like so far accelerated from the previous scene, like in there will be blood, but I drink from your milkshake or the fuck that scene was right. I don't think I ever got that from Cumberbatch in this movie. I thought he was consistent. He was great throughout. So I was like, okay. One, I just haven't seen much. I saw the Alan Turing Alan Turing movie with him yeah, in it. Like, and he was game. he was excellent in that. And then I just know him as Doctor Strange. So I was like, okay, this guy has some serious acting chops. I think I just based based on what I'm hearing, and I'm I'm spoiler hunting on our own reviews here. I I did not really like this movie this much, and it sounds like you guys liked it a lot more than me. So hard. It's weird is that everybody's performance to me was really good. I just didn't really like the movie. Yeah, I mean, I I just I mean, I I think you're probably right that like I mean I I like this movie. We'll get to like the things overall. Yeah. And it sounds like Paul liked it generally too. Or at least found it I feel very like interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I feel like he outacted the script in this movie. So that's a, that's a massive compliment to all the actors, but in particular to him. Who, uh, Willie? Who would you, um, sing if you had to single out one of the other three supporting the three supporting roles? 
um, Cody Smith McPhee, uh, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, who would you single out? I would single out Kirsten Dunst as the worst. I did not enjoy her at <laughs> all. So if I had to single out one, it'd be that. The other two I enjoyed quite a bit. But it's funny. It's sort of, here's the thought I had when I saw Jesse Plemons in the very beginning. He was really good in the beginning and then just kind of fell off or disappeared at the end. And I was disappointed about that. Right. He's Yeah, he's gone for a decent chunk of the second half of the movie and then comes back at the end again. Um, where, whereas yeah. he's a pretty steady presence in the first half. And, and like you said, Paul, we're saying half, but like, yeah, it, it, it's kind of like the part that happens before Peter shows up and then the part that happens after Peter shows up is, right. is kind of what he, we're talking about. When he came on screen, I was like, huh. How did Landry get to be the modern day Philip Seymour Hoffman? Like, when did that happen? You know, but he, but it, he really is. It's funny you say that, but I definitely saw um, af- after I read it, you know, I was looking at you know reviews and also like comments and stuff like that. And there were definitely multiple people comparing him oh, to really? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the look is, is definitely part of it, I would say a little bit as well. Also, like if I remember correctly uh, in The Master, I'm pretty sure they play father and son in that movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> But what he's is, become quite quite the actor and yeah. character actor yeah. and can kind of carry scenes very well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. What, what what about you, Paul? Is there anyone you would kind of point out? I think that um, yeah, I, I I think that um, um, Cody Smith McPhee gives a really interesting performance here, where it is it would be really it would be really easy for him. To play it off as a as as a character like the stereotype would be a character who feels bullied, who like is has no self confidence, and he, you know he plays him as someone who is intimidated and is and, and at times is scared um, by you know the other or or the ranch hands and whatnot, um, but he also has. Like a, he also has a confidence about him, and I think, and he he has a the performance. I think I would say is like really centered. Like he plays him as somebody who he understands who he is, and he understands that the world doesn't like who he is, um, and he and but he's going to be who he's going to be regardless. And and I feel like honestly, like I feel like all of that really comes through really well in his performance. Um, again, it's a nut, like this movie's got a lot of subtle performances this is another one um but it it, it really stood out to me I, I i really liked it yeah yeah he's it, it, it's hard for me to sing out one of them i i like kirsten dunce in this i mean she has a, probably a less like a more thankless kind of role than than the others do uh, in some ways i jesse plemons is all his role is also kind of a little thankless and i think like you said i think he does a really good job with it one thing with jesse plemons that i realized watching this is that it's like he feels like he's settled into like one of two roles that he does really well there's like the banal evil role where he's like the todd from breaking bad or like his black mirror guy or like that kind of role where he's just like he just seems like who's this dude but then he's like unspeakably horrible (laughs) at the same time or he's like this like very bland kind of like whatever but he's like very decent which is who he is in this role you know it's like he's like he's he's like the polar opposite in a lot of ways of phil where he's like he barely says anything and like kind of very much keeps to himself but like the little you see of him you know except for like that dinner party where he's like a little bit clueless as to like the the like 
how much he's painting his wife into a corner by being like, oh, you play really well. Like, like you've been practicing for a while and like all that stuff. But like other than that, it's like he's he, like he genuinely cares like very much. And he's just, you know, trying to be a nice guy, basically. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I took it like he, he plays it as someone who like desperately he, he's obviously somebody who's desperately lonely and desperately kind of wants a normal like heterosexual like family relationship and i think and but doesn't really understand it that well i think yeah. and i think that is exemplified in that that party scene of like you know him not listening to his wife and kind of pushing for what he thinks like this for what, what he wants be. this to be yeah, yeah exactly exactly like he kind of and, and he even mentions it like when they're on the picnic that like it's just so nice to be alone like i'm not saying he doesn't love her but there there is an aspect of the character where it's like you know this fulfills you know this fulfills my ideal of what i was looking for and i'm gonna like turn i'm gonna treat this like my ideal instead of taking it for what it is a little bit right right yeah exactly um so <clears throat> some other things about this film um the cinematography so I, I don't know about you guys i really thought this film was quite well shot like i i really enjoyed watching it i mean it's got a lot of shots of what are supposed to be the montana countryside this movie was actually shot in new zealand uh but it stands in pretty well for for montana it looks pretty good um, and they're very, some very pretty shots and striking shots of, you know, like wide shots of like the, especially in the beginning, like when, um, you know, th when they're doing that cattle drive and then when they're walking into the town and it's kind of a wide shot of like all of, you know, the, uh, uh, cow hands kind of walking. Um, and I can't remember now, I wish I had taken notes, but there, there were a few different, you know, scenes where I really appreciated sort of the composition and the way it was shot. But to me, it was a very pretty as, as, as a lot of Westerns are, to be fair, um, it, it was a very pretty movie to look at. So that, I agree with you. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think what the cinematography captures really well, which uh, honestly, I think a lot of Western like movies and things don't capture well, is just it, you, in this movie, you really got a sense for the open space that's around um, because it, it and, and you saw it because you could see like, you know, you get the house in a big wide, like the ranch house in a big wide, like helicopter shot. And, and it, it clearly wasn't like, oh, we shot a, you know, we shot a, we shot a beautiful countryside and now we have our set or whatever of the house. It's going to be all like, you know, medium type close-ups, and you're not going to see any, like, you're not going to see anything in the background. Right. It's like clearly like that house is out in the middle of nowhere. And like, I got a, a similar sense, like at the, when they're on the cattle hunt at the beginning, it's just like, in a way that, like, I I honestly feel like a lot of movies, like a lot of Western movies, try to introduce this notion, but don't do it as well. Um, and and it felt like it really gave it a good sense of place. I felt like. Yeah, I agree. I got nothing to add to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well said, Paul. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the other thing I thought was cool, we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but um, I liked the, like, this is interesting for a Western, right, um, in that there are no, there's no gunfire, there are no even guns that I remember huh. in, in, in the whole thing, which is, yeah, uh, think about that. yeah, which is different, you know, for a, for a Western, I don't remember, I'm sure there are other ones I've seen that have that, but I can't think of any offhand, um, but um 
you know, again, it, this was also one, and you know, where like I feel like sound was used very well. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I feel like it was something I noticed at different times, especially music. I mean, like, like we talked about like the piano stuff and the whistling and then the banjo and all that, but I, I do feel like those were, and, and, and then I felt like the score did a really good job echoing some of that. They, they didn't use the exact melodies or anything, but like they used a piano sound at different times for the, for the score. And then the plucking violin, sometimes it was like kind of to ratchet up tension, but sometimes I thought that it was sort of kind of, echoing or, or kind of giving that banjo feel like the banjo that Phil plays. And so I really appreciate, I, I felt like everything around this film um, in terms of like, you know, like the craft, so to speak, like all the stuff that are like those awards that, you know, in, in, in the Oscars that like, you know, they're trying to get rid of showing now. But like, I thought all of that stuff was really well done. Like this was a really pretty movie to look at. And I felt like the editing seemed really good and the, and you know the the use of sound seemed really good, so I, I really appreciated that. So even the, you know, even they did it in the beginning, um, in um, the house that they were originally in, when the like townies would come in and just jam on the player piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in, in the little Phil, inn or whatever that she keeps. Phil got all fired up about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Paul, you were gonna say. Well, I was going to say, I think I, I do have criticisms of the movie and sure. and we've been heaping on the praise quite a bit. I do think that um, in, in retrospect, thinking about it, I would have liked to have seen, I would have liked to have seen more of the d- dynamic between the two brothers before Rose's character gets introduced. Because um, they kind of get to that really fast. Um, and you can put it, to, you can put it together. But I think, I think um, the thing of it is, right, like he's, He's supposed to be like different and like extra mean to her, and 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 he and he is. But you get almost you get very very little of him before that happens, and so there's not a big change that you see happen. It's just kind of it's just kind of understood, and and they and they talk about it a bit. But like, I would have liked to have seen that a a, a little bit more before they got into that aspect of the plot. I think that's kind of what a good you- point. So like like. I, I do feel like there's clearly a sense in the way that he inter- that Phil interacts with George that like I mean he's still mean to him kind of right he calls him fatso all the time um, yeah. although it's hard to tell like it's it's delivered in a mean way but there's also the sense that like he's just been calling him fatso his whole life and like George like kind of just doesn't care a little bit like like I mean that may or may not be the case but it has that feel to it it would be interesting to know like what like what he feels for George that like, you know, like he clearly has some respect for George. Like, like he doesn't completely condescend to him all the time. And he obviously treats him kind of as an equal. Like, right. Like when, well, there's so many things where other. he's like, Oh, we, we can't do this. We have to wait for George or whatever. Like, yeah. like he, he won't, he's not like dismissive of him at, at all. Right. Yeah. And it, it would be interesting to know like where that came from. Like it, it was an interesting thing to hear, like they, they kind of dropped this in in a couple of places, but it's kind of obvious like they were sort of like, like it feels like they were raised kind of on the East Coast in, in, in ways like, I mean, at, le- at the very least, like they mentioned that Phil went to Yale. Right. Um, and, and, and it feels like the kind of thing where they were like raised there or they went to college there and then they came back here. Like it's hard to tell if they're from Montana or not or if they had like 
or if their family had land out here. Like, I think they mentioned at some point that, like, the parents, the, the old lady and old gent, as they're called throughout the film, like, gave them the ranch or, like, sold them the ranch or something. And, like, they kind of, you know, so I, I, I it, none of that was necessary, but it, it was kind of interesting that it's like, I kind of, like, I'm very interested to kind of figure out how their family works. So, yeah, I um, agree. And the, the other thing I would say about, about, the other like kind of story criticism I would kind of level is I don't know what George knows about Phil and, and um, Bronco Henry's relationship. And like, I don't, I don't know how aware George is of why Phil is the way he is. Um, and it's, and like, I would, I would like, I would like a sense of that. Right. Because like, otherwise, like, is it just a case of, like, George just kind of takes his abuse kind of no matter what, um, and that's just kind of how it is? Or or does he do it because he, at a certain level, understands, like, that Phil is, you know, he's in a bad way, right? He's he's um, gay or at least unsure of his sexuality in a time where, like, that is very much not okay. And, like, is, you know, is... Does he know anything about that? And I would be curious because there is a sense where he, in the beginning, he uh, Phil tells a, a, a wrong, uh, Henry story, and he's like, "Do you remember that, George?" And George's like, "No, I don't. I don't remember that." And you get the sense that like uh, Bronco Henry didn't leave a strong impression on George, um, even though he clearly was around for a lot of that. And it's just like, okay, I don't, I don't know what the what the situation kind of was there. And I would like, I would like a little insight there. What do you think about the reveal of Phil like being smart? Like they play in the beginning, it's very, played off very much like this guy in the suit's a smart guy, and that's kind of the dumb cowhand who's just a bully and calls everybody fatso and shit. And then like the dinner party shows up, and you find out that Phil went to Yale, and he's like wicked smart, and he's basically good at everything he wants to be. Anything he tries to be good at, he's good at. He's going to be a better musician than you. He's smarter than you. He can learn how to ranch, and he's a fucking dickhead well i think that like his when he when he first um starts talking to peter i think that's very instructive where he says like uh, he he uses the term like sissy or something like that and i think that's like him kind of rejecting his education to a certain extent and like being a ranch hand and being like the quote-unquote manliest ranch hand there i think that is all you know his coping mechanism of like that those are the things he sees as um, you know, weak or effeminate or or whatever you want to t- term you want to use that he is like actively at war with himself about. That, that was yeah. my takeaway. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about either of these things, like kind of thinking about the fact that it's like, yeah, like they don't really get into it. And then all of a sudden they kind of mention it there, like you said, Willie. And I think I think what you said, Paul, kind of makes sense. Like there's a lot of things when I think about it that like kind of all add up to this idea of like trying to project this like very very narrow version of like manliness that he has in his head which yeah. you know is, is i'm sure probably some kind of compensation to some extent or 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 you know whatever he's trying to kind of deal with in his head like another one of those things is the fact that he's always wearing his fucking chaps and spurs and stuff like even in the house like he goes up to his room and he's wearing chaps and spurs like which you see other cowhands like come in like at breakfast and shit like that. They're not wearing that stuff. I noticed that and I was like, do they, are they just doing that? Cause they think that's what it sounds like when cowboys walk. And then like, eventually you realize that they're not doing it for everybody and they're just right doing it for him. So it's unintentional. Right. But the thought did occur to me at first. It was just like, 
they're they're trying to signal cowboy here, I guess. But no, it's a, right, it's a right. No, choice. It's, yeah, yeah. It's actually yeah. You learn. You kind of figure out it's actually very much an intentional thing that they're doing for that character. Um, I read an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch, like about kind of you know him doing stuff for this film, and like he kind of he mentioned a little not not specifically what we're just talking about here, but in terms of like he mentioned that like he was very particular, you know, in terms of like in different scenes about like the way he walked and stuff like that. Like he kind of like, like, like meaning like he, he, he's like, yeah, like he's like, I feel like this is a guy who like wants to make a lot of noise and like stride really like broadly when he walks. And then like, there are other scenes where, you know, like he can sneak right past Rose while she's on the piano and she doesn't even know he's there basically. So it's like, it's, it's very conscious, like what he's doing basically, you know, when he's like walking around or like doing these big, you know, ostentatious kind of like letting everybody know he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing which was yeah which was interesting to, to read about and and kind of you know adds to that you know the idea that it's like oh yeah this is like very much on purpose but yeah i mean i guess that's you know it it does i did also look so, so this is based on a novel um that came out like in the 60s or something like that and apparently in the novel like it's more foregrounded that he's really smart like, I, I guess there are like more scenes or like it mentioned, you know, novels are different. Obviously, there's like inner monologue and stuff like that. But like, um, but apparently it's like more in the story in uh, in the book than it is in the movie where it's just like, like you said, Willie, just kind of like put out there all of a sudden. And I totally agree with you. Like for the first 30 minutes, it very much felt like it's like, OK, like he's the quiet, smart one and he's like the loud, brash one, but like not necessarily smart was yeah, kind of what I assumed. My understanding also is the book is a lot more heavy handed about yeah. Peter's motives for murder. And in a way that I am glad this movie didn't do, because that would be kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, f- I feel like they made it clear enough uh, in retrospect when, when you like know what happened and kind of go back. I mean, there are some, like you said, like the opening, the opening voiceover lays it, o- lays it out very well where, he, you know, he like very openly says like, like what was like, like what, what kind of man wouldn't, you know, Look, wouldn't look after his mother wouldn't you know look out for his mother whatever he says something like yeah, that what kind of son would i be if i didn't yeah, look yeah. out for my mother or something? yeah exactly yeah. that kind of thing and then you know and then there are a couple other points like when he's in the uh when he when he's talking to his mother um and she has the drink and he says something like you know you, you shouldn't have to do this anymore like i'll make sure you don't have to or something like that um, yeah. Like he, like he said, some line like that, and you know, and that's kind of when, and like I think like the next scene or like is when he's like, he looks at his books and then he goes out and then he gets and then he gets the hide, like basically the next day, as far as we know. So, all right, anything else we want to say about this movie, or shall we slap some grades on it? Real quick, I'm I'm unclear why Phil changed his tone towards Peter. I think that felt very about face other than the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, OK, you figured out that I'm gay, so we're cool. But it makes no sense. Like, it's very obvious that that Peter was gay the entire movie. It wasn't hidden. There's not there's no. I think it's I think, I, I, I think it's two things. And this is just my opinion. I think he starts changing his tone because he is hedging his bets a little bit that it's like he doesn't want Peter to like blab to, to like tell anybody that he's like out there in this clearing with these like male porno books and stuff like that. Right. So I, I, I think that's why he starts 
But then yep, I think that, like that was my read too. Yeah. Yep, but then you have that scene where he asks like what he sees in the mountain and he like sees mm-hmm. the thing that like which which is like a silly thing in its way, right? Because it's like it's just some shadows. Like anybody could see that. Like I could see it once they pointed it out, right? Like it's like it's a barking dog, right? I see it. But it's like it obviously means a great deal to Phil, right? It's like the thing that Bronco Henry could see and the thing that he could see and everybody else he asked doesn't see it. And then all of a sudden Peter can. And I think at that point he, he like thinks in his head, like this is, this person is truly a kindred spirit to me. Like this is the only other person besides me who could see that was Bronco Henry. And we all know how I feel about Bronco Henry. So it's like, I, I think at that point it takes on these like very, like these sexual undertones kind of, and, and, or, or just, this way of you know kind of like maybe i don't have to be lonely the way that i've been lonely yeah i agree i think i I mean the the shock and surprise in phil when peter sees the dog right away it's like i think it's like the first genuine emotion you get from him in the whole movie um and 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 i think you're right i think i think it is it does start off very much as like a cynical is the wrong word but like a calculated move by him um, to be like, he caught me, you know, Peter caught me in a compromising position and I need him not to, you know, he has, he now has the ability to hurt me and I need to make a friend out of him instead of an enemy. And then, and then I think actual emotion comes into play. The, the, the other part I might say about that, because like, I, I, I think that's part of it. And then I remember in that first scene where he's nice to Peter, which is where he takes him over and shows him like the plating and the braiding and says, I'm going to make you a rope. Um, He's also like very much looking at Rose for part of that conversation. Like in the beginning, like he looks past Peter and can see Rose. And I do think there's an element of it, which is a continuation of his psychological warfare where he's like, I will make a friend out of your son and take that away from you too. Yeah. Good point. That's an excellent point. Yeah. It starts that way. I don't, but again, I think it goes somewhere very different, even in his head. Like it, it obviously by the end becomes something that's like, mean something to him. like the fact that he wants to like that he's dying at the end there and he still wants to find him and give him that rope basically yeah, obviously yeah. there's genuine emotion there and i think yeah. yeah and are we in agreement that like at least a large part of phil's like absolutely abysmal behavior towards rose is like as someone who's powerfully lonely he's he feels like he's gonna lose his brother now too um and and like he feels extremely threatened by that and decides to just like fucking you know like you said like psychologically torture this this poor woman as a result i thought it was like really weird like like i i registered it but then registered it more i think once rose was there that it's like until rose comes to that house like the two of them sleep in that room together in these like little twin beds yeah like like and there's this whole other master bedroom that no one's using which i guess was their parents or I, i don't know what but it's like it's interesting. I, I like I get why you know which one of them would use the master bedroom. But it's like they've just been like that, and it, it doesn't mean he has any feelings like that towards his brother. But obviously, like just companionship and like yeah, I, I do agree with you, Paul. I think like he sees her very much as this interloper who is like kind of taking this place that he controlled and this relationship that I wouldn't say he controlled his brother, but he very much knew what it was, and they felt like they were together in whatever was going on in some way. Yeah. I mean, his brother's all he really has. Like he, like there's like, he had Bronco Henry who's now dead. And like, he, like they don't make any effort to say like, he doesn't have any like friends. And they point out that like his sexual encounters were all meaningless and trivial to him. Um, 
So his brother's all he's got, you know, and now here comes somebody to take that away from him. And he lashes out pretty, pretty fucking terribly. Yeah. I made a note somewhere basically before, before the reveal that, that he was gay. It's like, this guy's just so fucking mad. It's uncomfortable watching a movie about somebody that is so angry about any type of change. Yeah. And he, and he really is <laughs> like, it's, it's like so angry. Reminds me of one of our friend's brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very specific. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we, yes. Should we, should we grade this? Like? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do it. Um, I'll go ahead and start. So, um, I'm going to go with a I'm going to go low for whatever reason and go four out of five. But I was going between a four and a four and a half. This was a movie. I don't know why I felt this way, but I felt going into it, even though, you know, full disclosure, I'm the one who suggested the movie. Um, I felt going into it that it's like, I feel like maybe I'm not going to like this movie. Like it got nominated for all these awards and part of me felt like it was going to be like, am I going to be bored or like whatever kind of thing? And I was very much the opposite. Like I felt like I was very engrossed in the movie and more so as it went on and, you know, and, and it went by fairly quickly. And, and as we've all, all agree, I feel like the acting is just top notch in, in this movie, uh, you know, in general. So I really liked it and I completely see, you know, I haven't seen the other movies, but I completely see why it's gotten all these accolades. So Will, yeah. let's go to you. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do the shit sandwich thing. <laughs> Compliment sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, there are some movies where, uh, like really great. You can be so in awe of the acting and the cinematography and the music and all that stuff, and you can watch it get nominated for for awards, and the plot doesn't get in the way of that stuff. And sorry, this one it did for me. It just did. Like by and large, I just found it to be a boring af story that's it everything mechanically on paper like the acting was fucking amazing i didn't really like kirsten dunn so much but everybody else i really thought was like off the charts good and like paul said the cinematography was big and massive and western and the music was did what it's supposed to do tension tension more tension i just did not like this movie (laughs) yeah that's it I found the plot to get in the way of all the other things. So one and a half. Wow. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going to go I'll swing the pendulum back. I, I'm going to give this movie a four and a half. I like Nish. I had pretty low expectations. Um, you guys mentioned there will be blood at the beginning. The, uh, this movie gave the movie. This made movie made me think of at the beginning very much was the assassination of Jesse James. Oh, sure. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. A movie I, I didn't like that much, um, and 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 the movie I was I was surprised at how much this movie sucked me in and and watching it and you know you know we didn't touch much on like some aspects of the film but like you know it 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 really hit home with me like kind of the tragic nature of Phil's character um, and and you know what it is like to be different and to know you're different and to know and to either deal with that in Peter's case and be comfortable with it and accept it 
uh, maybe be comfortable is the wrong way to put it, but ex- at least accept it. And in Phil's case, to just deny, 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 um, and 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 see where that gets you. And you know, that's I, I find that like totally fascinating, and you know, you know, really resonant. Um, you know, even like today, I felt like like I don't know. It just like it's the kind of movie that either I feel like it's the kind of movie that either works for you or it doesn't, and that's just. What it, and I know we say that about a lot of movies, but this is a movie that I was not expecting to get sucked into and swept along for the ride, and I totally did. And I really, really liked it. You know what I was not expecting? Hmm? Paul to get sucked into this movie <laughs> as well. There was a moment at the beginning where I thought, uh, when we were recording this, I thought, am I going to be the only person on this show that liked this movie? And I wasn't sure. You're close. <laughs> Nish ruined it for you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Damn yeah, you and your good taste, Nish. Yeah. I think this is one of the movies. There are probably other ones, but like there are definitely movies where we disagree, obviously. But there aren't that many movies where there was this big a difference in the rating itself, I would say. Like it's a three star rating difference between the two of you. Um, so interesting. It is uh it's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I totally understand, Willie. If like, if you didn't like the plot of this movie, then you know it's it's hard. I get it. Yeah, it's gonna win a bunch of awards. It's gonna win. I know it. Yeah, and I think we'll all watch the movie again five years from now and be like, meh, all right, whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> fair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, um, it feels like every time I'm hosting this show so to speak that that i'm the person who's kind of starting and leading the discussion it feels like i always end up asking you guys about trailers and i don't want to be that guy but i'm gonna ask you about a trailer anyway because in mid-march as this came out the obi-wan kenobi trailer came out last week i was wondering if you guys had watched it yeah yeah i thought you were gonna ask about the ms marvel trailer um we can get to that (laughs) but we'll start with obi-wan kenobi yes i did watch the obi-wan kenobi trailer um Right at the top, I'll say, "Oh, thank God! At least they leave Tatooine for a while in this right, show, right. and they're it's not clearly, stuck they're there the whole fucking time." I think. I mean, I mean, at least this is a show where it's like, where it's like, well, it makes sense they'd be on Tatooine. That's like, like we know he was on Tatooine for for some period of time. So I know, but it's just I'm just happy that he. Yeah, we I don't know. need every Star Wars. No, thing ab- no, absolutely not. You know what I love? I love when they do the D for Disney. It's now the lightsaber cutting yeah. a hole in the D I like, for Disney. I, like I was like, too. ooh, that's cool design there. I mean, what I liked about this trailer is that it 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 had for me like the two most redeeming things about the Star Wars prequels, which are Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Duel of the Fates theme. Like together. Right. Which is like right. and and used really well in that trailer where it was like you know, I'm not even like a, you know, like there's like a whole generation below us, right? Who are like into the prequels. Like that was the Star Wars they grew up with and they like it and everything. Sorry, sorry for that. I know, but, you know, but they exist very much so. But like, I'm not that, but like even I like got hyped when that choir came in and, and started doing the song. And like, yeah, I, and, 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 and I don't even know most of that other shit, like all the like rebel stuff that's in there, like the Inquisitors and all that stuff, but looks fucking cool. <laughs> I, I, I will also admit that I am something of a Hayden Christian apologist insofar as not that I think he's great in the prequels, but I think he has the ability to be good. And I am hopeful that this series will redeem him a little bit in that role. I mean, I've seen him be good in other movies and he's older now, which I yeah, would exactly. imagine he, would help. <laughs> who's um who's he play in this movie? 
<laughs> Baby Yoda. <laughs> Hopefully Chewbacca. <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. No, I'm pumped for this. I, yeah, me I too. like it it's so funny how like the like the internet was all kind of like ever since the prequels came out, the internet the internet was all kind of like, we need more even McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it just felt like for the longest time, like Disney just didn't give a crap. And Ewan McGregor and like in interviews and stuff was like, yep, I'm totally down for it. Like, just give me the fuck, like, like ring the phone and I will do it. And it just seemed like they weren't going to do it. And I'm so pumped that they're going <laughs> to let me feel the force, motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it feels like the story is going to be cool. Like it. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be really good. It's safe to assume this is just a one off miniseries. And then I would imagine we're going to say adios to to. I, I would be pretty surprised if it, it was more than this, whatever it is. Is it six episodes? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if there was. I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't show up like in something else. We wouldn't get an Ewan McGregor cameo here or there, but like, I don't think there's going to be like a season two of Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. Like, there could. Be I say stuff that knowing that, absolutely nothing. Right. Like, there could be stuff that spins off from this potentially. Like, I, like who knows who else is going to be in this? Right. Like, what other characters might be in this besides? Like the ones we saw in the trailer and Hayden Christensen in some way, shape, or form, which I'm still not sure of like how that works. But here's the real kicker is when episode five is a whole episode of The Mandalorian somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking on he's on Tatooine for a long time. Like they actually could make more of these movies. I or more of these shows with him. Just I would love like a whole series of him just like fucking bumming around on Tatooine and kind of like like living there and like just like he's got like annoying neighbors and he's got like he's got like he's got to go to town he's got shit he's got to deal with like and just as like overall that i would love they would never make it but man i would love a show like that <laughs> like like he has like roommates it's like the golden girls with obi-wan kenobi and a bunch of old dudes but they all die off and now he's crabby and old and has to protect luke just him yeah that's right <laughs> what a- i'm excited for it when does it come out um, end of May, May 26th, 27th, something like that. Like right, 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 right around Memorial Day. Probably six weeks ago as you're listening to this. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, so right about now? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so yeah, the other, uh, uh, another trailer that came out since a lot of times all we talk about with these things are Star Wars and Marvel is the uh, Miss Marvel trailer. Um, so this is the show uh, that's, they didn't have a date on it, right? Like it was just a trailer, but I don't remember them. I don't remember seeing a date. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember seeing a date either. But Ms. Marvel is a fan favorite in the comics. You know, this is she is a uh, young Muslim girl who kind of idolizes Captain Marvel and then, you know, gets her own powers, basically, which are kind of the sort of plastic man powers, right? Like kind of she, in she, the comic book. In, yeah. in the comic book. This seems there's seems like other stuff's going on here. Uh, yeah, in, in I think trailer, which I like, by the way, because like you do. The, I, yeah, like the it's a thing that works in comics, but like uh, I felt like it, like the body stretching thing, I don't know how that would have worked in live action. Right. So I'm glad they kind of it's more like Green Lantern style powers. It feels like than yeah, where she can kind of else. make sort of things appear, kind of and yeah, fight with them, that kind of thing. Yeah, I dig it. I mean, I'm excited for it. I I will I will say like I am I'm not the biggest fan of teenage superheroes like. Even like it's like one of my biggest problems with Spider Man, honestly, um, and so that aspect I'm not excited about. But the rest of it, yeah, um, it looks good. I didn't see it. Yeah, I 
I am I'm excited about it, but I will say like I didn't think it was the greatest trailer com- compared to like a lot of the trailers that Marvel does where it's like, oh, this is really good. Like we talk about, I think, the Moon Knight trailer a while back and it was like, that was a good trailer. Ooh, this one felt a little yeah. like it was, I don't know, it, it felt like a little unfocused to me in some ways. That being said, like I'll totally watch this and I feel like, you know, I've, I haven't watched other than Eternals. I haven't watched stuff from from Marvel where it's like, nah, this didn't work. You know, it's like usually at the very least, I'm like, this was pretty good. And a lot of times I feel more than that. So I, I feel like this will be a good show. I just didn't necessarily feel like the trailer did a wonderful job of showcasing that. When are we getting another Captain Marvel movie? Because I, I want more of that. It's uh, coming. It's uh, well, the dates have all changed around. Right. But it is coming. Um, I think originally that when I saw a date for it, I think it was this December or something like that, like in the in the fall, late fall or something. And it is called the Marvels, and will have Miss Marvel in it as long as well as Captain Marvel. Do you think we'll get a Carol Denver's cameo in in the Ms. Marvel series? Good question. I'll bet you we do. Yeah, I mean it would make sense. Yeah, Un- unless, like, unless the the Marvels movie is very much supposed to be like when they meet for the first time, and like it's kind of leading up to that more. Yeah, but that's not really Marvel style, right? It's it's they they give you that little tease at the end, so so you're excited for the next thing. Sure, yeah, no that that is a good point. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. So yeah, I think I think Ms. Marvel is. I'm I'm assuming that like the show will kind of you know g- given the uh, thing coming out now, like I, I'm assuming maybe it would be in the summer sometime. Right? Yeah, I, I don't know, right? Like yeah. they, they they had Loki last summer and they don't have a summer show, you know, block. They, they they haven't put a lot of dates on a lot of the shows they have coming out this year. Like like we obviously Moon Knight's coming out very soon as we record this in like a matter of, you know, a couple weeks. Um, but like, you know, She-Hulk, I think, is also going to be coming out this year, I believe. And that's another one where it's like they had like an initial like, you know, little uh, mini trailer and then. It's like we have no date on that either. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see when these things come out. And then uh Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's it. Did we talk about the Doctor Strange trailer? Maybe we did. We probably we did, did, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I figured we did, but then I was like, who knows yeah, how we many talked, episodes ago that would be. We talked about it and I hadn't watched it and you told me it was safe to watch, and then I went back and watched it afterwards. Oh, that's right. What do you think? Yeah, what yeah. do you think? Um, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Uh I mean I I I like Doctor Strange. I wish Benedict Cumberbatch got to use his real voice in it, but that's okay. Because um, um, seriously, what kind of difference would that have made? Um, right. Sure. Yeah, but I, I like it. I like yeah. every. I like all the people in it, and yep. I'm excited. And clearly, Patrick Stewart's voice in the middle, right? Yes. Yes. Very clearly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I to the extent where it's like I don't think that'll be a surprise to anybody. Like where. No, I mean they got him to admit it even in an interview that that was him. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, so it's that out will there. also be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that feels like one of those movies that is going to like blow all kinds of shit up, like in terms of like what's going on in Marvel. I mean, what is their plan? Are like, are, are they heading like they haven't? What are they going to do? I know, I know they don't want to do more Avengers stuff, but like, are they heading to any kind of tentpole event? 
in the in the near future? Good question, because there is no Avengers four or whatever or five or whatever you want to call it, like announced. Like, right. like yeah. And they said they were taking a break from the Avengers, but that doesn't mean they can't do something else that's a big you know crossover type event. Right. And I mean this one is like I mean, we don't know who else might be in this movie. But like, you know, we, we know that Wanda is obviously as a major part of the movie. Um right. But, you know, it, this could be kind of a somewhat crossover thing, depending on if there's a lot more people in this. But, yeah, in terms of, like, ones that are marketed as crossover, like, basically, like, the Avengers movies and Civil War, where it's like you knew going in that there were a ton of people in the movie. Like, yeah, right. I don't know. So, so riddle, r- riddle me this. What is the what is the X-Men event they're going to adapt to introduce them into the MCU? Good question. I mean, you would think it wouldn't be the ones that they've covered so far, but I mean, those are big ones they've covered so far, like meaning like Days of Future Past and like Dark Phoenix and like, you know. Oh, God. Can we take a break from the Dark Phoenix oh, for a little while? Well, like, we, I don't well, I don't and, and, that. and that would be a weird one to adapt because like, I feel like you, you need to actually have Jean Grey for a little bit right. to have her then turn dark. Like, you can't just have her like immediately there and then like within within a movie turn dark yeah, I mean, maybe I, maybe they will but i mean because i have wanda i keep thinking house they'll do like house of m yeah exactly yeah but house of m how can they like do the that that would make sense <laughs> but but again you have to have like the x-men established to have them go away right like i don't know well maybe it's a reverse house of m so willie house of m is a lots uh, more mutants <laughs> yeah house house of m is basically a tell, tell me how much of this i get wrong paul but this is basically a storyline from the comics where wanda basically uses her powers to basically like get rid of all the mutants meaning they, they don't go away but they no longer have their mutant powers basically yeah huh. yeah she depowers the whole planet she, she depowers yeah. the whole planet basically wow. takes all of their powers away and you know given that wanda is like the one x-men adjacent character that like we definitely have in the mcu right now like it kind of makes sense that like that might be how they introduce the x-men is through some wanda stuff basically when you say she takes get rid of the mutants powers does that also include like hulk and shit is hulk considered a mutant no he's not no he's, he's, he's like his own okay. thing it doesn't none, none of the wait am i right on this <laughs> let me let me try to remember i don't think any of the characters we know in the mcu currently are regarded as mutants other than wanda like, um and and wanda is obviously not herself regarded as a mutant in the mcu version of her she's regarded as a magic whatever whatever, right. whatever they've kind of retconned her into uh as of wandavision but her her and quicksilver were mutants i guess in in the comics but yeah nobody else right paul that i can think of. not that i can think of no yeah yeah so yeah that'd be interesting they did a little easter egg for house of m in wandavision um, like, I mean, this is a very minor Easter egg, but in the very first episode, the black and white one, that's like a straight sitcom the whole way through, basically when they sit down to dinner with like the, the boss and his wife, the, mm-hmm. the wife who's what's her name from that 70 show. Um, the, the wine that she pours is called, it's called, it's, I think it's, it's called Maison du Mepris, which, you know, basically translates to house of Mepris, which I don't know what Mepris is, but it's. House of Star, House something of starting with M, and there's a big M on the label, ah. basically. Yeah, when she's pouring it. So, and I, I, I think I remember that. I made mean, everybody like, oh, they're gonna do a House of M thing, and it's like, calm down. 
as, as we saw, they, 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 there were lots more things that we thought they were going to do that they didn't do. Yep. In that show. Sure were. Yep. They were just Easter eggs. So, all right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they, uh, what they do with that. All right. We actually you, did you already, an episode. Yeah, we, we, we well, did an episode. I will say it again. Oh, if, you okay. wanna, if, if you want to email us, you can email us at talktopodflix at gmail.com. Yeah, we are on Twitter at Podflix. We should always open and end the show with the same yeah, spiel. Just, just back and forth. Really cool. Bookends. Nice. Yeah, well, I feel like if you do that, we'll get twice the amount of emails. Two times zero is... Um, <laughs> 